This is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, the podcast of Practical Shepherding, and I'm joined, as always, with Jim Sebastio. We're going to jump right into topic, as we normally do, in just a moment, but I want to encourage you to go to practicalshepherding.com. You can access all of our resources there, including, Jim, over 200 podcast episodes that are there. So uh, that's uh, you can have get access there, of course, wherever you're listening to this podcast now. You can continue to get access to them there. Uh, but there's also resources. There's books, there's articles, there's videos, there's all kinds of things on the website. And it it's all free uh, access to this to the website. I also want to mention to you, we have a we have a place called the Shepherd's House. There is a cabin uh, just outside Louisville, Kentucky, that's a part of our ministry, a family owns and partnered with us. And if you're a pastor, you and your wife, or just you, either way, can come and stay two up to two days and two nights in this six-bedroom, 180 acres, on 180 acres of beautiful Kentucky uh, land, and stay for two days, two nights, for free. And the lodging's free. We stock the fridge and the pantry. The food's free. Jim, all you got to do is just get yourself there. Nice. And you can come and stay up to two days, two nights. That is very nice. There's there's nothing, there's no hidden agenda I'm talking. Like, that's it. It's to serve you. We even provide a pastoral mentor for you if you would like one of those. So go to the Shepherd's House link on the the website, and you can apply apply as an individual, fill out some information that comes to our staff, and then uh, that's how you can apply to come stay. We'd love for you to stay. The spring is pretty full at this point, uh, but the fall is starting to fill up. So if you want to come stay with us this year, I'd encourage you to go and apply to come stay in the fall. We do have it eight months. We have it in the spring, four months in the spring, four months in in the fall. So hope you can come stay with us. We'd love to serve you if we can. Jim, we want to we want to talk about today another topic that came in through social media as we asked what what do people want us to talk about and and this was a we thought a great topic and one that we know that a lot of pastors are dealing with, especially pastors who go into established churches and they're the new pastor in a church that's got a long history potentially and they're jump they're just being immersed into that history and one of the ramifications of that as a pastor tries to earn trust to, in the congregation is there's maybe people who don't respond to your ministry mm. right away in a favorable way in a positive way so one of the, the question we got asked is how do you pastor people who don't seem to want you to pastor them mm. and I certainly can relate to that. I walked into a church that was very distrusting of the pastor in the pastoral office. Mm. Jim, you planted a church, but you've pastored that same church for 30-plus years, which means you've had people who have grown disenchanted with your care over years, potentially, (laughs) and have not wanted you to pastor them. So That's kindly put. Yeah, yeah. No, I thought that was very diplomatically said. (laughs) So this is an important topic. Every pastor deals with it in one way or another. Biblically, how do we want to begin to start thinking about this? Well, we need to establish several things, I think, Brian. What, what does it mean to pastor? And, and obviously, then it, with that means what does it mean to be pastored? Yeah. And I think what we're getting at here in particular is, is the reality of what Jesus brings out in John chapter 10. So mm-hmm. he's going to give yep. a truth about, about shepherds and their sheep. Yep. And he says about his own shepherding, my sheep hear my voice and they follow. Mm-hmm. And he also talks there, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. And so that there is a relationship. Obviously, part of pastoring is feeding. So are, are these people, are, are they feeding? And, and that is, 
not just are they there, mm-hmm. are they receiving, are the, is the nourishment coming in, how is it that I'm preaching and they're still malnourished, how is it that I'm giving what I think is good green grass and yet they're still malnourished, so you know, all of this comes into it, but I think there's, there is an element here of you, you try to get out, you try to come alongside somebody, you want to get to know them, they don't seem to have any interest in you um, as it were, getting your hands into the wool a little bit, um, getting into particularly shepherding them personally. They don't want to have spiritual conversation. They don't want you to know about their life, about their marriage, about the state of their soul, about what they're struggling with, about whether or not they're fed. They're, they are, if they're there at all, they're content. Just, they want to just be there, show up, sing the songs, you know, be there when the sermon's preached. Maybe you get to know other people, but they don't want you involved in that. Yep. And so, uh, yeah, so I think that's what we're getting at yep. here. That's that's good. Um, that's good. And I, I'll just kind of put a couple categories to start the conversation. I think primarily people in your church who do not want to be pastored are one of two kinds of people. They are wolves dressed as sheep, so they don't know Jesus. Mm. So they don't want you to pastor them because they don't want your ministry because yeah. they don't know Jesus. Or goats. Ultimately. Maybe we say goats Yeah, here. yeah. Either well, way. Because a wolf is, is somebody maybe wants to be divisive and, and, and harm the flock. But maybe I, I get yeah, – sorry, go not ahead. A sheep. I, I'm not I, – I, Not a sheep, at least. So. They're not a sheep. Car- let's see, keep carrying this illustration out. Yeah, though, but there, so. I do think there's a difference between somebody <laughs> saying they're a goat and they're, and they're, and they're yeah, a wolf. Yeah, fair enough, fair okay, enough. So, so. goats. Uh, the goats dressed as sheep. Yeah. Okay. The second category are uh, wounded sheep. Right. And I would say that goats dressed as sheep and wounded sheep act very similarly. Mm. And both of them will not receive the ministry of a new pastor typically. Yeah. And so I just, there's exceptions to that, by the way. But I just want to start the conversation by that. I would say most people who have a hard time receiving the ministry of a pastor's faithful effort to preach, to shepherd them in some way, usually comes from being wounded by a previous shepherd. Or, to your point, there's a lot of people who haven't been pastored well, so they don't have a category what this means. I get get this call all the time, Jim. Brand new pastor, month two, three months in. He's like, look, I'm doing what you told me to do. Like, I'm going, (laughs) I'm trying to go visit them at their home. And none of them want me to come visit their home. In fact, when I call and, and, and ask if I could come make a pastoral visit, they're starting to, they get really cynical and worried, like, is something wrong? Did right. I do something right, wrong? Right, 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 and right. it's hilarious. I, I hear this all the time. And what, what I try to tell guys is, like, it's okay. Like, what that tells you probably is that they've never had a really encouraging pastoral visit. Right. Or if a pastor came over, it was because he came to deal with them about something. Right, so right, you know, just right. realize that actually, don't get discouraged by that. That actually tells you where you are, but uh, in regard to their relationship with you. I know that can be discouraging because you know we want people to just instantaneously receive our ministry of the word and receive our pastoral care, but that's typically not what happens, Jim, when a new pastor goes into a, a church. Wouldn't you agree? Wouldn't you agree? I, I agree, uh, and I, I think so. If I just give a quick take here for myself yep. on this, as you get into this diagnostic phase. And, and uh, I, I'm just going to add a third element. Yeah, so good, I, I think yeah, as you good. look at it, you want to say, it, you know, is there something wrong with them? And that is, you know, again, as you said, either either malnourished. This is so bizarrely new to them. You know, they've never had because you know, very often somebody could grow up 30, 40, 50 years at a church and never have a real pastor. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so is it them? Is there, is there, are they not converted? Are they malnourished? Is this something just so shockingly new? The, also the question you ask is, is it, I'm going to say, is it him? So is it them? Is it him? And by him, I mean the past pastor yeah. Yeah. who may have hurt them. But I think we also have to ask the question, is it us? Is it me? Yeah. And, and is there something off-putting in my personality? Am I harsh? Am I too quick? And so, Brian, you know, there's, we get back to this whole matter of tension. So you have in Second Timothy chapter 2, the servant of the Lord must be gentle, patient, you know, able to teach and, and all of that. And here you have somebody who's recalcitrant, somebody who's uh, gone astray, and the hope is to win them back. And so the approach there is gentleness. And then you have like Titus chapter one, where Paul talks about Cretans are always this way, that way, and the other. And it says, this testimony is true, therefore reprove them sharply. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so sometimes a shepherd needs to say, hey, that's a word of warning. And other times, so when is it that you go to somebody and say, I'm really, really concerned about this with you. On the other hand, where you say, I'm, I, I need to take a lot of time with this one, yep. and, and I need to be gentle, and I hope by that gentleness I will, I will be able to win them. But again, the possibility is, again, it could be something in us. It could be something in him, the previous guy. It could be something in them yep. as we try to diagnose. No, that's good. I would affirm the, the tension you're talking about. However, I think, especially for a new pastor, your general posture should be the gentle, patient exactly. route. I, I agree. So I, I just I want to emphasize that because I think that I I know some guys that do feel that tension. But six months into your ministry, you pretty much haven't earned the right with anybody to to have those hard conversations, and unless they just absolutely have to happen. So so I, you're talking about, there about what we sometimes call relational collateral, Brian. I do. Why I don't think, you explain that just a little bit I for think some you, that may be new to that? Concept. Yeah, the, the relational collateral of a pastor is the amount of time you've been there to earn the trust of the people that allows you to be able to speak into their lives in difficult, mm. uh, hard ways. So you can still do that. Like you can you could clearly see somebody who's needs to be you know a a, a, a rebuke word needs to be shared with somebody, but. How well is that going to be received from a pastor who has not taken the time to let them know they're loved by but that should never be assumed. And I think that's what happens to a lot of new pastors. They go in, they got they were given a title and a paycheck and an office, and all of a sudden yeah. everybody's gonna to look to me, assume that I, I'm gonna be loved and trusted. That's just not how it works. Right. Relational collateral, there's no shortcut to earn relational collateral. The the collateral you have is what allows you to be able to one, love people and then receive it, but also to, to say and do hard things with people for them to be able to see. And that takes time. Relational collateral, there's no shortcut. Time is the only way to be able to build that. Now, I want to go back to what, something you said a minute ago, Jim, which was really good. That was the idea, you know, is it is it them, is it him, or is it me? I think, you know, the, the first to get asked more in the early years of, I'm trying to assess this yeah. person, trying to assess what kind of pastors they had in the past. But you and I both have had people with with our long ministries in one church where there were people who you know were received our care and our ministry for many years yep. and then all of a sudden didn't. And I don't know about you, but I that was really a time where where I started asking the question, is it me and what sure. did I do more than any of those other questions? Would yeah. you agree with that? Would you expound oh, on that? Uh, yeah. In fact, I mean, this is where I probably have gone the most. Yeah. And and, oh. uh, and I think, you know, well, there was no him before, so I didn't have to deal with you that. You can't uh, go there, can you? I'm him. Oh, actually, <laughs> I, I'm going to push back on that. Okay. I think you're wrong. 
Okay. It wasn't a previous pastor. But everybody who came, unless you had just all new converts, oh, right, right, right. they had previous pastors. True, true. true they brought true, that true. to the, anyways, keep well, okay, going. Yeah, right. But I was saying, uh, yeah, I was him. So, you uh, were. Um, yeah, so I, when, when, I, when I feel like something's gone wrong, you know, there's been a disruption or somebody feels like I, there's a difference between, again, there's a variety of reasons why somebody's no longer going to be part of your church. Um but but at some point there is some kind of a disruption there, and that usually has something to do with the leadership. Uh, either I, I don't I, I don't believe what you believe anymore, or right. I, uh, I I don't I don't trust you anymore. And that you did is, something to hurt them. They don't you did trust something you to hurt you, they, yeah. or you 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 try to help in a situation, and they found you to be incompetent, or you know whatever, you know. So you know I I think. Generally, we're talking about collateral. I just wanted to say this real quickly. Yeah, I, th- I think yeah. collateral is built through three things. I think it's built through competence, integrity, and affection. Huh, a- a- and that you're you're competent to do your job. You're co- you, you know, preaching, teaching. You do a good job at that. You you know, and generally, you give wise wise counsel. You're you're a person of integrity. You can be trusted. Uh, and you love them. And I yeah. think if you lose any one of those and people are going to have a hard time uh, being under your ministry, really being shepherded by you, if they don't trust how you handle the word, uh, if, if they believe you're creepy or, or they don't believe you love them. Uh, and I've seen, I've seen that in, in, in various cases. They're like, he's a good guy, but I, I really struggle because he's a bad preacher yeah. or I uh, think he's a great preacher, but I don't believe he loves me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe, I believe he's a good preacher and, and maybe he has some affection, but I don't trust him, yeah. you know, well, you know, whatever, any of those things, I think you lose your relational collateral. But, by the way, I just want to say that's really, really, I don't, I'm not sure I've ever heard those three things come out of your mouth, like in this yeah. context. So, but that's really helpful. Competency integrity affection yeah. is how you build a relationship. It's yeah. really helpful. Keep going. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So, so the question is, what if you have all of those? You believe you have those. And I guess this is where, you know, hopefully where we're getting at here or somebody in, in the, as you try to evaluate your own conscience and as other people speak into your life and the majority of the congregation and your family says, I, I believe mm-hmm. that you have competence. I believe you're a man of integrity and I believe that you, you, you generally love people and yet there's no response. Mm-hmm. So yeah. the two, I think two questions I've always asked in this, when Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. And I think one of two things, I'm not their shepherd or they're not my sheep or that they're not sheep. That, that's yeah. what I eventually, that, yeah. that, that seems to be either they don't view me as a shepherd, therefore they're not hearing my voice and following. Yeah, that's good. They're, they may be a sheep, but they're not my sheep. Mm-hmm. And so they're listening, they're following somebody else. And we've talked about that. Yeah. But there, are, there are people in our churches who are enamored with pastors and preachers outside of the congregation. Mm-hmm. They have their affections. They're the ones they listen to. They listen to them however many times a week. Yep. Uh, and they have their ear in a way that we don't, in spite of all that we try to do, uh, and that's difficult, you know. Or you know, so so how do we we look at somebody and we say, right, now here I've been here five years, six years, ten years. Um, when I say something, when I give an exhortation, when I try to get volunteers, when I speak on hospitality. When I talk about we're going to have whatever it is, we're going to have a service day. They don't serve. They never serve. They never open their home. They never seem to implement anything that we say. There's no change in them. Uh, they're resistant or distant to anything and everything. Where do you go from there, Brian? Yeah, let's let's turn there because I think um, we have to we have to think about 
what are the things we can do that, that we maybe have control over and then realize the things that we just don't have mm-hmm. control over. So let, let's kind of go back and forth on this. I'll, I'll start with just, uh, we need to be evaluating the things we're talking about. I think that's right. the first thing I want to highlight. So the, is it them? Is it him? Is it me? Right. Those three things we need to, we need to be evaluating and, yep. and, that requires a certain level of self-awareness and we need to be honest with, yeah, hey, you know, where am I not, you know, and we can't control them and we can't control him. Right. But we can we can do something about us. So I think we need to be constantly reflecting on ourselves, how we're doing, how the effort we're making, but then to not, I think, be hyper paranoid about it. I think mm-hmm. that we can, we need to be self-aware, we need to be evaluating those things, but it's okay to conclude, you know what, I am not aware of anything that, I've done to harm them at this mm-hmm. point. It may be them. It may be a, the guy that was before but them, and I can't. Would fix you that. ask them, Brian? Would you say to them if you're evaluating, is it me? Would you say to them, look, brother, sister, um, I've noticed. It, you know, again, I don't, I don't want to be. I don't want to sound paranoid with this, but it appears that you have a hard time receiving my ministry. Yeah. Have I done something? Is there something that, that I have done that's, a good that's hurt you or offended you that that makes it difficult for you to receive my ministry? I think it's something you can eventually talk about, but I would say I would that would not be a conversation I would be impatient to have. And that's right. I right. think you have to assume that it's a them, it's a him thing going on in the beginning if they're resistant to you. But at, over a, a certain amount of time, as you get to know them, I, number one, I think as you just try to pastor them and get to know them the best you can, you will start to get answers to those questions without having to just ask them, hey, you know, do you, you have something against me or have I done something? Mm-hmm. Here's the thing is a lot of times they won't know how to answer that question. Right. If a previous pastor's hurt them, they don't maybe know how to articulate that or even aware of that. They just know they don't trust you. Yeah, it's one of the so, questions that was asked by another person on social media is you, you may have people coming into your congregation that have been really hard, you know, abused. And somebody took advantage of getting to know them well and, and wormed their way into Absolutely, their affections yeah. and into their homes with nef- for nefarious purposes. Yeah, that's right. And so here you are seeming to do the same thing, and they got they got their guards up, and you need to, you need to be able to know that. That's right. So I think we have to be just aware, be willing to constantly be reflecting on who we are, how we're showing up with people. Uh, how well do we love people? I mean, that, that's that's what we end up learning about as a pastor, that maybe we're not as good at this as we thought we were. We need to adjust the way we're doing things. So I think we have to start there. And if you start to evaluate that you have done something that you think maybe has harmed the situation, I think it's really important to, uh, one, if you realize you don't see that, then let go. Just okay. Just mm-hmm. give that to the Lord. Don't you don't have to fix this if it's beyond your power. If you have harmed somebody and you come to realize that, I think it's really important to own that to yeah. them. So I can remember conversations. There's this, there's this lady. She's with Jesus now, but this uh, this older widow, her name was Martha, and we got we grew to be very close. She was very hard to get to know and to um, to receive my ministry at the beginning. And then we we really grew close. And then I did a couple of knuckleheaded things and legitimately yeah. hurt her feelings. And I had to I had to go to her and say like no excuse. Like I I, met, I really blew this and mm. I'm so, I'm sorry. And I had to do that a couple of times with her through our. It was weird. There's something about her that I just kept botching. I don't know what it was. Mm. She was really gracious every time. Yeah. But but she she needed me to come to her. And apologize, and yeah. that really helps. I, I want to acknowledge that if 
if you come to realize you have done something, be quick to apologize, be quick to to acknowledge it and and try to make it right. That actually, if we do that, if we're quick to do that when we realize it, that actually is a great way to build uh, relational collateral. Yeah. What's something for you? What's something practical you would say? Do this in trying to shepherd and care for these people who aren't receiving your ministry. Brian, I think we. I am, I'm, what I'm wrestling with here is, is this: the tension of, between you know what's what is a righteous expectation. I think a righteous expectation carries with it, it tries to carry with it everything that the scriptures would 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 indicate with this. And so, what I mean by that is, what what do I we we're talking about? What do we what is what should a church righteously expect from me as a pastor? So I laid out a little bit of that. But what should I expect from the Lord's people? Um, what's a righteous expectation as I, as you look at what it, what what's what is the response of a sheep to their shepherd? What's the response of people to the word? And you read about that. You know, people with a Berean spirit readily receive the word. You read First Thessalonians chapter five. They highly esteem those who labor over them uh, in the Lord. Uh, they they respect what they do. Um, they receive the word with eagerness and readiness, you know, all of that. Paul talking to the Thessalonians about how they received the word when the word was preached to them. And you take that, so I think that's a, that's a legitimate righteous expectation that if, if I'm a man of God preaching the word of God to people that I love and I'm serving them with integrity and I'm doing what I do well, there's a righteous expectation that people should grow that they should be thriving to some degree, that they're receiving nutrient and care that they may not have done, and that that's good for their soul, it's good for their health as a sheep. That's a righteous expectation. But the Bible also talks about those who are weak in faith, and the Bible uh, also talks about those who uh, are not walking according to the word. It also talks about those who are slow and those who are unbelieving and 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 all of the rest, so that that ought not to shock us or surprise us that we see replicated in under our own ministry some of what Paul saw in the Ephesian church or in the Colossian church or in the Galatian church. Uh, that some people are going astray in, in certain ways, and, and they're not receiving. They're not healthy. So I, I agree with you principally, but so how, what do we do about them? Well, here's what I think what you do is, uh, on the one, you encourage that you, 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 well, you get yourself encouraged by that there are those who are receiving your word. I think you ought not to be shocked or undone. That doesn't necessarily mean something's so not really be surprised wrong. surprised by it. Don't yeah. be surprised. Read yeah. your Bible. Re- read your Bible, and the terminology I use sometimes is read your Bible backwards. And what I mean by that is you see in the Bible certain exhortations and commands. Why why are we so often commanded to bear with one another, to have forbearance and patience? There's a reason for that, because people are irritating. Uh, People are going to provoke you. That's that's why. To forgive one another. Why? Because there's going to be sin in the congregation. Uh, Why are we commanded, you know, know, in in all of these things? Well, because there's, you know, so like uh, Peter says in 1 Peter 4, show hospitality, and then he throws in the zinger without grumbling. Yeah. Well, why did he do that? Well, probably he preached on hospitality before and people grumbled. And and so they, they, they didn't always happily receive everything. So it is, so trying to understand that, but you may have to understand eventually, Brian, this is, this is maybe where we need to go with this. What do I do when I recognize and realize despite every effort to be patient, to be kind, to build bridges, to be loving, to be a man of integrity, to show competence in what I do? 
that this person, the best I can judge, is really not a Christian. Before we go there, though, I want to stay on more practical on what you're talking about, and that's that. What do you do with this person? You're still pastoring them. Yeah, I I learned. So I learned that uh, one of the most important lessons I learned going through those my really hard first five years at our church is that my call as a pastor is to shepherd the flock. First Peter five, and that in such a way that I'll give an account for every soul. It's yeah. Hebrews thirteen seventeen. And one of the things God taught me through all the the firing attempts and all the peop, people who are after me is that I will give an account for the souls of these people, and that includes the people who don't like me very much. Right. So I, I want to first emphasize: What do you do when you're trying to pastor those people? You still try to pastor those people the best you can, yeah. And I think that's and that's what I hear you you saying with what you're yeah. talking. So, but I want to I want to just give me like, so it may be build build little bridges here and there as best you can. It, it's little bit at a time, trying to be relational. I I, I, I find for myself anyway, if I'm having tr- struggle with somebody, my best thing is look. It's not to try to preach better. Yeah, I can try to preach better, uh, but I can try to be more affectionate toward them. Generally, I find. That people are one through their hearts. Well, that's what that's what I'm getting at. Is is that people don't receive your? Here's what happens intuitively as a human being. We try to pursue someone and minister to them. They don't receive it. We go fine. I'll go find somebody who right. wants to receive my ministry. Why? What I'm emphasizing is, if you have those, how do you care for these people who don't want you to pastor them? You still got to pastor. Try to pastor them. Right. Do what you can. Pursue them to whatever level you can. Do not let them eat up all of your time. Right. So you got to balance that approach, but I just I want to emphasize there's a lot of guys get discouraged, you know, and, and you're you're making good points about you know don't be surprised that there's people like right. this. So don't be surprised. Keep pursuing, keep loving them. The people who were dearest to me in our church when I left after 17 years, some of the dearest people to me were the people trying to get me fired in the mm. first five years. So what I watched and learned is that God can one redeem those relationships and two mm. god can take the person who doesn't trust the pastor and win them by a pastor's just pursuit and and long suffering and patience with them and of course as that went i grew as a pastor to learn how to care for people better than i knew how to care so don't don't give up on people keep trying to love and pastor people is my would point. you take a different tack sometimes brian maybe retreat realize okay this, this going this way is, is is not effective with them yeah and, and realizing not everybody is, is going to be one the same way. And maybe say, you know what, I'm just going to build. Uh, I, I had a guy I had a guy at the church years ago, uh, a great guy overall. But I said, I want to come over and do a pastoral visit. And he was, a, you know, he had a bit of a curmudgeonly character to him in some way. I don't want to have a pastoral visit. I don't, I don't need to do that. It's intrusive. And I said, do well, you want to get lunch? Yeah, I'd love to have lunch. Mm-hmm. And so you sit over lunch and you start – shooting the breeze about, you know, whatever, you know, he likes, you know, history. So he's talking about history a little bit and you start weaving in a little bit. So how you been doing? You know, um, what are you reading these days? Uh, so what do you do? What do you do? Do you, do you have any time that you get, you know, reading the word or something? And all of a sudden you're doing the very thing, but yeah, you, right. but you're in it, you did it in a different environment. You, you didn't insist on it being done a certain way. Yep. Uh, and so you, you go in or you might find, okay, I'm not able, you start, you start going down that road and you realize, nope, there's a, there's a resistance, but this other door is open and that allows for relationship. And so whether it's, you start bonding over baseball or you bond over, you know, something over that your goal in the long term is really to be able to, to increase your ability to shepherd them. 
but you may have to do that more individually, relationally with them, finding an open door with them. Yeah, I, I would have. I, I would answer your question the same way that what one of the ways that the effort I made when I saw people not respond is I would go on, I would figure out what it meant to go on their turf. Yeah. So there was an old widow that walked a track next to her house. I went and met her at the track and we walked. Hmm. I did gardening with people. Yeah. I came hmm. I w- came and and did woodworking and I have no idea how to do woodworking, you know? <laughs> but but yeah, so but I just learned something about someone and then yeah, can to intrusive me to come to your house. That's a great. Hey, you want to go to lunch? You want to get caught? I mean, that's that's how to do. It. So, this is where Jim, this is where pastors need to be encouraged to be creative. I, I this is becoming a thing with me that so many of us in our tribe, especially, and I and, and I get it, so many in our tribe are trying to be so like not pragmatic as a yeah. ministry model that a lot of guys do not embrace things like being creative in ministry. Yeah. We need to be creative about how to reach people in our community. Or human. We, we, we're, we do what? Human. Human. Yeah. I mean, we, we we need to be creative about how to maybe win somebody or or yeah. let them know we love and care for them. Be creative in how you pursue these people, but the call is we don't get to determine the one, we don't get to just spend time with the ones who receive our ministry. We also need to pursue the ones who who don't seem to. Last thing before we shut it down, Jim, what what do we do when well, what what do you do with that family that's been at your church 10 years and then they come to you and say, "Yeah, you know, I, I just don't receive your ministry like I used to." Or, "You know what? I just don't trust you like I once do." Mm. Last thing, so brief word, but what would you say, what are we supposed to do in those moments with those folks? Brian, there, there comes a point where you think, okay, I have done all that I think I can do. And I, you know, I wish I could say all this is theoretical. I wish I didn't have faces and families uh, you know, in, my, in my heart and in yeah, my mind, too. mind there too. where you, you – know, you, your goal at the end of the day, I, I want people to thrive. I, I don't want I don't want somebody to come gloomily to church and just go through the motions of being there because I you know they made a commitment you know there's oh, there's so much I could say about this uh, but you're, I, I want to answer your question at, at the end of the day you want to say okay you you want them if they're really a sheep you want them to be in a place where they're going to thrive under leaders that they can trust and if that's not you. You know, you're gonna have to then deal with the, you know, perhaps some of the fallout and the trauma of that in your own soul. Of, of, well, you know, did I really blow it again? Was it them? Is it me? Uh, you know, in, in this situation, uh, is it is it somehow that they really misunderstood and misinterpreted? But the the point is, the damage has been done. They're not thriving under your ministry. They need to get to a place where they can, and I think you have to gently let them go. And then you have to explain to that to the congregation, and you got and you have to be willing to receive whatever fallout might come by you honestly saying that they felt they could no longer trust you, and and to uh, be honest about and to be honest about was, it, right? right. And, and, and not it up, and yeah. not turn it not turn it all on them, right? Go yeah, ahead and say, look, if you want to know why they're leaving? They're leaving because I tried to help them in a situation. They did not uh, benefit from that. They didn't appreciate the way that I handled it. And as a result of that, they feel they need to go somewhere else. Yeah, that's good. I, I, I had a business guy once tell me that you don't ever refuse someone's resignation. Hmm. And that principle has always stuck with me. And when someone comes to me and says, we don't receive your ministry or we're not feeling welcomed or fe- or cared for here, uh, 
we uh, we feel like we need to go somewhere else. Now, there's every temptation in there. And, of course, you have conversations to find out why and maybe see if there's a, you know, a misunderstanding or something. But in every case, the several times, Jim, through my ministry, I dealt with that. In every case, they, it wasn't salvageable. It was not <clears throat> worth trying to say, hey, you know what? You committed here 10 years ago. You, you made a commitment here. That's not a legit reason to leave, in my opinion. Now, even whether I felt that way or not, right? Reality. I mean, I, I was especially this certainly points back to all the the hard early years I had. Yeah. Like I, I, I would do not want someone to stay at the church that's potentially just going to become poison because they don't want to be there and they hate yeah. being there, and to the point to where I actually pastorally, um, I this is really hard to do, but I uh, when people hit that point, I as my last pastoral duty to them. I would help them find a church, yep. you know, or if there was, if they were going to at least let me yep. do that. And I did that on, on several occasions where I helped somebody find a church in the city, uh, and and they and they went there, and it was a it was a better place for them. That's incredibly hard, though, and and I just want to acknowledge that for those who have to walk through it. You've been through it multiple times, Jim, through the years. There's no easy way to walk through it, but yeah. I think what we would both acknowledge: we want people to thrive. It it may be them and me. And and because of that, yeah, uh, like you, I I had to remind myself of this, and I remind other pastors of this. Last word I'll say on this, that we may not be the best pastor for every person. Yeah, and just that's okay. That's just the way. That's just the way it is. Yeah, and that could be a variety of reasons for that. But it's okay to realize that and help people thrive, whatever they can, even if they don't have a good reason to leave the church. If you see their resolve, you know what? I can't receive your ministry. I don't want to receive your ministry. You know, I I. I one don't I don't want them there, and two I don't want to have to keep trying to to love somebody who doesn't want me to love and care for them. So, mm. any final word, Jim, on this or just anything around this topic about how to as we wrap this? I know a lot yeah, more. Yeah, there's said, so Jim. much. I know Brian, there's a lot more. Uh, yeah, said, I just want to encourage guys: don't beat yourself up o- yeah. overly. You know, the 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 these are hard things. Uh, and I know it, it feels like every person is giving a uh, an evaluation, not just on your ministry, but uh, but on your on your life and on your calling. Right, right. Uh, you have to be able to stand before the Lord with a good conscience. You need to have people that you listen to, who are uh, not against you, who are for you, but but who will speak uh, hope into you. People that benefit from your ministry. And you need to be able to listen to that as well. You need yeah. to be able to balance out, or perhaps even be more overwhelmed by the encouragement. But you know, the the, the hardship is part of life. It's part of ministry. You're not going to be able to. You can't do this work without heartache. Um, yeah. And if you're not willing to do that, then this is not the calling for you. I say go, go sell ice cream or something. But uh, yeah. you can't do ministry without heartache. Well, my last word on this is to reiterate: if you hear anything on this this episode. It was the three things Jim mentioned that I thought was really helpful about just evaluating yourself, and mm-hmm. that's competency, integrity, and affection. Yeah. Try to grow in those areas. Be your conscience be clear in those areas, yep. and if it is, then you can let the Lord sort through all the the messiness that comes with it. So, mm-hmm. we, Jim, just take a minute, pray for you guys. Yeah. Maybe discouraged by this and yeah. wanting to know how to best care for certain yeah. folks. Father, we do thank you that we can cast our cares and our burdens upon you. And we are reminded, Lord, that there are times when ministry is difficult and it's frustrating and and we can take it out on others or take it out on ourselves or even take it out heavenward uh, and blame you uh, for things or be uh, 
angry or bitter uh, of soul. Father, we do pray you'd help us not only to help others to thrive, but to thrive ourselves in the midst of doing this difficult work. We pray in your son's name. Amen. Amen.